Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Yo! Could have went left, but it went right. Could have went wrong, but it went right. Should have been Ian, but it went right. Mama get the pass on pass on sight. MVP in the night. Can they get a deposit Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gooders podcast. My name is Lewis, and I'm joined by German Dan and Sean. Gentlemen, how are you doing this fine morning? Yeah, all right, man. All good, all good. German Dan, you're wearing a habit shirt. As <laughs> Sean has duly pointed out, the, the, the propaganda just doesn't stop, man. It's a Germany shirt. It ain't got habits at the back, on the back, but... Um, who's, it, who's it got on the back? It's got is it on the back. Fair enough. I ain't got no habit shirt yet. <laughs> Next up, yeah? <laughs> hey, depends what number he gets, man. Let's see. Hopefully he gets, like, number 54 or something. <laughs> I, need guy, I need that guy playing in the under-23. Uh, under <laughs> uh, yeah, lots to talk about today, guys. Anyway, um, so let's start with some kind of fresh news because I think last week we obviously did the whole habits thing. I think we touched a bit on Lavia. Um, and you know, but this week we've um, we've been linked to uh, what, what is his first name? What was his first name? Jurian, 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 Julian or Jurian? Jurian. Is it a, like a silent J? Jurian, I, I know. German, you tell me you're you're a continental foreign expert, bro. Right? <laughs> so. Jurian, Jurian Timber, Jurian Timber, Jurian Timber. Um, a bit out of left field. I've, again, one of these links that are just completely out of the blue. So. Um, takes everyone by surprise. Um, Sean, uh, have you managed to take a, a decent look at um, Timber? Yeah, I, I, I hadn't until I saw like all the scouting vids and obviously loaded up the YouTubes. I really like him, man. He looks really, really good. Like really athletic, but super technical, super nice receiving on the half turn, um, picking up the ball, driving into midfield. He's a big ball. He loves to carry the ball as well. So, um my, my initial feelings, uh, if you listen to what Sam Dean said, it, it's like a sort of like a, a Zinchenko from the right-hand side. Obviously, he's not naturally a midfielder, but he looks comfy stepping into midfield. So I think it's a case of maybe if Zinchenko is out, um, we flip the dynamics and we have maybe 
timber inverting from the right side. Um, apparently, he's played as a number six at times for Ajax too. So, you, you know, with Ajax players, all of them are super comfy. That that's that's the base level you expect in it. All of them very very good technicians. So I really like that. But he's got a nice athletic base as well. So he's super aggressive in the tackle. Similar to not as like as aggressive as Martinez, but still very aggressive in the tackle. Tries to win it early. Um, and then transition on them with the ball as well. So I really like his profile. Um, I think he's around, I think they said five foot, 11, six foot. So still a, a bit too short. Uh, you know, he's played centre-back at times for Ajax. I wouldn't really like him there for us unless it's an emergency. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing for me if, you know, as we saw with this season, if, if uh, Saliba's out, I would shift White across and, you know, you'd have Timber at, at right back. Um, and that would look super nice in my opinion. But it's really good. I, I, I really like him. Um, I think, you know, last year there were heavy links to Man United. Um, and obviously uh, there were a couple of weeks ago, you saw Fabrizio tweet that he was at the FA Cup final um, for City versus United. But apparently it turns out he was meeting Edu and Arteta that day. So, mm. so yeah, I'm, I'm going to use that one in the ops if uh, if this still gets over the line. So, But initial um, assessments, I like what I see, man. So, um, yeah, bring him in definitely. And the price looks... They said we had a 30 million, was it euros or pounds reject? I can't remember which one it was, but, and they're saying Ajax want 50. So uh, I guess this is the sort of thing that would be done maybe around 40-ish, probably. So, yeah, which is reasonable. Yeah. German, yeah. uh, do you have any thoughts on, on this plan? Yeah. You know, when we first got linked to him, I remember, um, you know, as John said, we linked him last summer. I didn't really watch him in the, the clips that they put together. But um, my first reaction was like, you know what, I'm just going to wait. Once we sign him, I'll watch the clips. But I realised I am a nitty. So, nah. <laughs> like, 10 minutes late, I was already on the YouTube, you know. Um, I'm still trying to watch um, one of the one of the four games that he played in the Champions League. I think it's Napoli I was looking at watching. Um, so, I'm going to try to probably watch that today. Um, yeah, from what I've seen, uh, I do like... First of all, I like the the idea of the signing um, and where and which squad pays that squad space that signing will fill. Um, I think um, flipping the dynamics is an important part of how we can become more unpredictable um, coming into the next season. And um, you know what I've seen in the clips of him, I really like. You know all the things Sean already has described. Um, in addition to that, I would also say that um, I think with this signing, uh, and I think we, we we've been looking at these type of players that. They have like a great footballing education. I think we've been linked with a couple of players from Ajax now. We've been linked with players, or we've been linked with Havertz, who's um, come through Leverkusen. We've got a very good academy as well. I think we're really looking at buying players from um, very good academies with great footballing um, education. Because um, you know, if you if you don't have it, I think you you struggle coming into this team. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the things that I noticed as well. And just this game, this game was good. Um, I, th I think I like it. Um, we need more players that are press resistant, I think. Um, and what's paramount for the system, and we discussed this in the group, is that we need to be able to, if one player is not playing, be able to still, you know, be able to build up to the level that we can or should be playing to. You know, when, when Saliba went out, um, you know, the build-up suffered heavily because the replacement wasn't great enough. Um, when Zinchenko doesn't play, you know, Tierney doesn't give us the same dynamics, struggles heavily in that inverted role. Um, when Ben White doesn't play, Tomiyasu is probably um, the closest thing in the fence that we got um, to to replace him. But he 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 has availability issues, he has injury issues. So Ben White, if he goes down, we we, we will be in trouble. Um, 
if Gabriel was injured, I think actually Kivio is looking quite good now. So um, maybe that's actually the closest thing. But do you, know, do you know what I mean? We need to be able to replicate what we're doing and build up, regardless of who's playing. And when, when Saliba went down, we struggled. The year before that, when Partey went down, we struggled. So we need to eliminate um, eliminate these single points of failure and be able to just have more players that can, you know, exercise these um, these these um, these tasks basically and, and build up to get us up the pitch. Um, once we have a really, really, really solid foundation, um, I think you know the rest will come. I think the attack is already really good. Um, you know, regardless of people think about a striker or even Havertz and being signed. These guys, in the end, Udegaard, Martinelli and Saka are the main boys. So, you know, the attack is already really good. You just need to find out a way to solidify the rest of the team um, in case, you know, um, you know those players um, go down. So, yeah. Do, do, you, think, um, do you think this signing uh, puts the writing on the wall for any of our other defenders? I mean, we've spoken on this pod about, you know, wanting to move holding on. Um, I've spoken about potentially moving Tommy Asu on because I just feel like he's too unreliable. Um, and, you know, if, if Timber is coming in as, um, you know, a, a right back and may, maybe centre back cover, maybe even a cover at, uh, in centre mid as well, does this put the Brighton on the wall for maybe someone else who is competing in, in these positions, do you think, Sean? Uh, I mean, first things first, with all due respect, this needs to end Rob Holding. I don't need to see him come pre-season, so that needs to be one which, which is all over. Um, and, and I think Tierney too. Um, I, I think Arteta is going with, a, I listed in the chat yesterday, that City only really have like six, seven defenders. But the issue with City is that all of those defenders cover multiple positions. I've seen a Kanji play right back, centre back and left back for City this season. Same with Rico Lewis. Um, Stones will be centre-back, he'll be right-back, jump into midfield. So I think it's more a case of Arteta just wants that versatility in the defenders that he can mix and match. Sometimes he'll build with a back two, sometimes he'll build with a back three. So it's more, it's almost like it's a positionless system, but it's more about who can cover what zones and how comfy they are in that relevant zone. So um, for me, if you're to say that we'd have Kivior, Tommy, Zinni, it's only really Zinchenko that's more the specialist. The others are actual stick-on defenders, do you know what I mean? So... Um, so, yeah, Zinchenko, Kivior, um, Gabriel, Saliba, White, Timbar, right. Tommy. I think that's a really good crop of defenders. Obviously, you're saying there's probably onus on Tommy to stay fit, you know, because now yeah. he's going to be supplanted by another defender in the setup. So he needs to, you know, stay fit. And, and you know, I think the natural position, maybe Tommy might end up being switched over to left back personally is, is, is my thought. Um, not you know, mad in case at that. goes. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at that. And and we saw what happened when you know he was used at left back last season ahead of Tierney a couple of games as well. He's he's a specific. Tommy's like a lockdown defender in it. You know, you want those games where you're just like maybe I'm not going to ask for you to contribute much in build up or whatever, but I just need you to lock this guy up how he did with Salah that time. So um, so I think it's just different profiles. But they're all um, strong athletic, which I like as well. So, yeah. like I said, it was only really holding, which was the odd one out. And obviously, Zinni's not a natural defender, but obviously we know what he gives to us in build-up. So, I, th I think that's that, that's that's the main thing. But I think it's a good bunch. Um, and it's, it's interesting because build-up for Arsenal is the main thing. Whenever we build up well, everything else flows. When the build-up is crap, like we just suffer. Like Everything else collapses, like the midfield suffers, the attack suffers. But once we have good defenders, everything else seems to flow. So, um, so yeah, I think that's 
that's the basis of, of why Arteta and, and even Pep to an extent are so keen on defenders. Look, City are about to sign Vardio for how much? Like 80, 90 mil? Do you know what I mean? So um, these guys, they, they really rely on defenders as the bedrock to both build and to stop transitions as well. So yeah, happy with it. Yeah, I think um, when you look at the options that we just listed there, that it's, it's good to look at those players and be like, okay, cool. So if, you know, Saliba got injured this year and we were shitting bricks and rightly so, it ended our season essentially. Um, I think when you look at those proper players, there's less of that. So it's like if someone gets injured now, you're just sort of like, okay, I can live with that. And, then, and with the addition of Kivio, we've kind of seen what he's about as well. Um, we're probably less afraid of the unknown with him um, because obviously we have more information to, you know, to, to speak about, you know, um, his like his potential contribution to the team as well. Um, some points have been made about, you know, um, whether it will be uh, an and slash or with him and Zinchenko in the team. Um, do can we play both? Can we, um, you know, is it just one or the other? Um, because you know, Sean, you, you've alluded to the point that Timber will, you know, potentially provide what Zinchenko does on the left hand side. Um, German, do you think, uh, Ant made a good point in the chat yesterday? He, he was talking about maybe, you know, we'll get on to what's happening with Partey and you know, um. Uh, with maybe, maybe his potential departure, um, do you think potentially we could be going for a different build-up strategy from defense, having two players in the Zinchenko mold who you know are going to help us build, you know, in that in that phase linking uh, defense to midfield with those two stepping into midfield. Um, can you can you see that happening, or do you think it really is just a, a more flexible option to allow us to, you know, uh, do what Zinchenko does, but on the right hand side, and then have maybe someone more orthodox on on the left hand side? I think it's difficult to 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 make that judgment yet. Um, I'm gonna give what I think will probably um will probably be the case for the first 10 games at least because things can always change but I think the consideration is probably to have one of those players playing I think in some games I can imagine both I can I can see it at a trial in both but I always kind of think one of Jinschenko or Timber will probably play and then one of um, White or you know Kivio or Tomiyasu at left back will play and I think it's just simply because of the, the numbers that you need to defend transitions and um, also that um, you know, if we have Timber and Zinchenko both um, inverting, um, you know, some teams do that. But if you have both of them inverting, um, there's, there's more work on Gabriel and Saliba to defend transitions um, once Timber or Zinchenko are bypassed. Because I wouldn't imagine that the midfielders would be playing in the same zone as Timber and um, and Zinchenko. So you know, Rice, Partey, whoever would play in midfield would be high up the pitch. Um, so maybe that would allow us to press better and more effectively from the front. But you know, once that press is bypassed, you know, you I think you 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 find yourself defending, you know, very very difficult situations at times. So I think I think it depends on the strength from the of the of the opposition when we will try exercise having both on the pitch and one not. And I think it's really about leaning into the strengths of players. You know, 
and and you know challenging their weaknesses. I said this last week, but I really feel like we're trying to bring players into this team that have a particular set of skills, particular set of strengths, and we're putting them into positions or um, roles in the team where we're leaning into those and accentuating those strengths. So this is the case of Timmer, this is the case of Zinchenko, Saliba, Gabriel, Kevio, all the defenders, Tomiyasu even, apart from Tierney, um, and holding. So I, I do kind of echo the thoughts that Sharon ha has made, that even if you think someone is a good player, but if the role in the team is not designed for them to to lean into their strengths and only challenges their weaknesses, to be honest, then, you know, that, that suitability is it has to be questioned. So I do really wonder if, if you know, the reports are true that we're, we're going to keep him because I feel like there has to be a different plan for him because what happened last season, shouldn't, he shouldn't be, be played in that inverted role, Tinny. So um, there could also be a consideration that he is high up and wide and, you know, Timber comes in the midfield with Rice or Partey. So I think there's just a lot of tactical flexibility that we have um, if we're increasing the competency of the players that we have at our disposal. And that flexibility um, is ultimately what made Pep win the league, you know, made him change the system, be able to, you know, tinker things around and find new ways of building, playing and ultimately winning. So um, I would nail it down um, because I think he wants, I think I said, wants that flexibility as well to make those adjustments if he needs to um, throughout the season and within the season. I think my one concern with this whole kind of flexibility argument is, and 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 Pep do, does get credit and should get credit for the, the way that he was able to change it. However, I do think he kind of put himself in a mess as well at the start of the season by maybe, and we've seen this before from Pep. And I think we've seen it in certain situations from Arteta as well. They try and be a little bit too cute in some games and some situations and maybe overcomplicate things when they don't really need to. And I just wonder with, you know, with all these options and the ability to have, you know, many different systems and formations that you're able to play, maybe, maybe sometimes that gives you too much to think about and too much flexibility if there is such thing, you know, and, and maybe clouds your decision-making process sometimes. I think our best form last season came when we was when we had like a, a set team, a set system to play, and we didn't deviate from that. We just went game after game with the same system, churned out the points, performance after performance, and it worked. Um, Sheldon, any concern that, you know, uh, potentially uh, that, yeah, let me just reply to that because yeah, I, I do I, mean, I do have some things and I, I agree you know that consistency that that team had for a long period of time in that season was incredible but you know the requirements changed at stages in the season and we couldn't make the adjustment because we didn't have the flexibility and as a result of that we suffered in basically every single competition we suffered in the FA Cup not enough you know squad depth quality we suffered in the League Cup we suffered in the Europa League and we then in the end suffered also in the league, which was the ultimate. We put all eggs in our basket in the end and we suffered there as well because we didn't have that flexibility. Um, so even though that team churned out so many results, at some point that, you know, that team was burnt out. You know, people started getting injured. Um, you know, like started, started, some of the players started looking tired. You need to have that. And I think this is really in the elite. When you compete for the, the biggest trophies, you need to have the ability to switch players out you know, challenge them, you know, also not just only on the pitch, um, also, you know, they're thinking of the game, 
um, how can I hurt the opponents in a different way? And um, I think I think that 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 will serve us greatly if we're getting these targets over the line. Yeah, I, I think just to that point, Lou, as well, because um, because I, I I agreed with what you said in terms of we had a consistent lineup, um, and that consistent lineup served us well as you saw with the consistency of the results for most of the season. However, to to German's point, you know that only happened that that led to good performances in one competition, but our performances in other competitions suffered because the squad play the other squad players barely got any minutes. So when it was time for us to switch out now, you had played the same team for like say five, six weeks in a row, come to another competition now, you had put in players who were cold, who hadn't played. And then I think at times it might be a bit unfair to expect top performances from guys who are not, you know, getting consistent minutes as well. And I think also to your point about um doing the same thing over and over again, I think eventually you'll be found out because teams have that level of data on you in terms of, oh, I know this is how we do. Look at Liverpool. I think that's a great um, case study. Liverpool did the same thing, had the same team for however long, and eventually there's going to be a dip. There's going to be burnout because Liverpool, Klopp hardly ever rotated, right? Klopp pretty much rinsed that same team, that same formula, and it wasn't a surprise that they had such a big dip last season. Compared to the season before where they nearly won four trophies, they ended up with two, but they could have gone all the way, but there was a dip. Players had to leave. Um team started to work the map, which is why I look look at what um, Klopp is doing now. They've just signed Alexis McAllister. They've got Thiago. They've got Harvey Elliott. They've tried to even change the profile of their midfield. So when you're talking about flexibility and doing stuff different, it's because teams will eventually work you out. And, and this is the argument I think I've been having with Leroy, me and him, for like the past two weeks where he's like, no, we need to just continue doing it with Xhaka. Like, you know, talking about Xhaka party and then replacing with Rice and Caicedo. I understand that. That would have actually been my preference as well. However, What's to say that that then method doesn't get worked out further down the line? I think you just have to evolve. I think in football, you're always having to evolve. You're having to do new layers. Like, look at what Pep started with at City. His team now is is very, very different to that, you know. I, I preferred the City that had Sane and Sterling. But now he's playing with, like, what, Grealish and Bernardo. There's barely any pace out wide. But they control transitions better. They don't give as much away. So some might say they're not as exciting to watch, but they're probably a bit more efficient. Um, and, and I think that's what led to them winning, the, doing the treble this this season as well. So um, to answer your point, yes, I think it's important to have consistency of lineup, but I also think there's no way, Lewis, we can do that in all four competitions next season, right? You can't play that same team every week. Um, one, because they're going to get tired. Two, you're going to alienate other squad players. Um Three, I just don't think you're going to get consistency of performance across all three, all four competitions doing using the same team and the same players and the same formation every few days. So you need to be flexible. So I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think there's a need to balance both personally. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I'm pretty, I mean, I haven't seen anything of Timber at all. Um, the, the fact that Eric Ten Hag was, was very, very interested in him kind of put me off a bit because his talent ID has been a bit spooky. Um, yeah, so very spooky. All he knows very, very, yeah, very, very spooky. A lot of hits, a lot of misses, sorry, and not many hits, I should say. Um, to be no, fair, no, the, the hit we can give him because Lissandro, Lissandro. Yeah. Was. Lissandro is good. Lissandro is very, very good. You're not a fan saying that him and Atta got similar taste, though. Pause. I mean, United fans, them guys over there, they're a bit spooky. I can't lie. They're they're very, very spooky, those United boys. A lot of them don't know what they're talking about, so I wouldn't listen to them too, too much. But let's move on because... 
there's another big development to speak about, and that is in regards to, you know, Thomas Partey potentially leaving Saudi Arabia. Obviously, we all know he's had off-field issues as well as on-field issues with his fitness. And, you know, even certain parts of the fan base, we spoke about it last week in terms of I felt he was... I felt he was being dealt a harsh hand. And, you know, in terms of the criticism he was receiving, and I I had felt like people had really underestimated and really um, forgotten just how crucial and integral he is to this team. And, you know, just that that partnership of him and Xhaka, they basically, for the last two years, been on track for 90 points. You know, if those two, that, that's their average point per game. It's probably just a, sh- just a touch below 90 points, which is insane. And it's a big data sample as well. Um, and they, you know, that, that midfield pairing, uh, I would say more heavily weighted to Thomas Partey. Um, some may argue differently. But I feel like that pairing um, is very crucial to what we've we've done over the last two years, especially over the last year. Um, so this news that Partey is potentially going really worries me and, and it worries me for a number of reasons, because first of all, I think ripping out the base of your midfield is very risky business, man. I can't, I can't think of too many examples and I, to be honest, I haven't given it a great depth of thought. I can't think of too many examples where teams have done that and succeeded. Um, and number two, I just think, I just think he's such, he's such a good player, Thomas Partey, that it's going to be almost impossible to replace him. Not to say we can't, of course we can. And I, I quite like the Lavia links. Um, I think he's, he can bring a lot of the. Um, the attributes that Partey brings to the table. But um, I'm just very worried about us downgrading heavily in midfield and losing a huge part of what got us here in the first place. Um, It's risky business from Arteta, it really is, because this is a decision that could, I've been saying this is a decision that could really kind of make or break his tenure. If this goes shit, if this goes like, down the drain and we fucked this up you know it's it's on his head kind of thing um and no one could really argue otherwise because this this has to be coming from him um sean i'll start with you um how do you feel about mm, it looks like the imminent exit of thomas Partey as well as granite jacko yeah yeah i i'm i'm here uh, and, and i think i said this at a point like I do think this is very risky. Um, I think, you know, we, we do need a, an element of continuity. That's what how I would do it. Um, but I remember Arteta saying um, on the last day of the season against Wall, we said, we've had a really good season, but now it's time for a reset. <laughs> I didn't realise how dramatic that reset was going to be. And, and obviously, we knew about the Xhaka stuff before the end of the season. Um, supposedly, obviously, Xhaka's not been let go until I think we finalised Rice which is what they're saying. So I think they're just future-proofing themselves there at the moment. Um, but then to let party go at the same time, I think that is, <laughs> I think that is very, very risky business personally. Um, but again, we just have to wait and see to see what that looks like, to see what that 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 changes. Like I said, I think 
Arteta is planning to play with two number eights next season. That is that is my initial prediction. So, um, and I think, you know, on paper and what I think is going to happen, people are going to hate it. I think I, I changed my mind initially as well because I thought initially I thought Rice was coming to play as an eight, and I think that might happen in certain big games. But I think for the majority of the time, I actually think Rice is coming to play as the six. That's actually what I think he's being bought for. And I think Havertz is going to play as an eight. So people are going to look and think, Jacoparty Erdegaard to Rice Havertz Erdegaard, is that an upgrade? We'll just have to wait to see how that plays out on the pitch. Um, it doesn't sound like an upgrade to me. It, and, and, and I hear you. And, and I totally would understand a concern there as well. Um, you know, just to caveat that, what I would say is that, you know, people talk about, and, and this is fact, obviously, Jacar, even though he played very high last season, he does a lot. He sits next to Party in a four-four-two pivot off the ball, and he does a lot of dual-winning second balls. But in terms of the actual thing, if you look at Jacar's pass maps, Jacar's touch maps, they are down significantly ever since he moved up to being like a, a left eight. You know, he doesn't influence the game any anywhere near as much as he used to. So I think if that's what Arteta's looking for. And, you know, we spoke about it before, how often Xhaka finds himself in the opposition box. So I think the aim, and this is just projection on my part, is that Havertz will recreate and reprise what Arteta is, what um, Arteta wanted from Xhaka in that eight position. You know, if we remember that conversation he had with Carragher, where he said, I need Xhaka in the box all the time. So Havertz is more likely to reprise that. You know, Havertz, Xhaka, uh, Havertz makes a lot of off-the-ball runs. He's a better ball carrier. Um, he's more skillful. So I can see why that would work offensively. Obviously, the concerns then come defensively because we know what Xhaka did off the ball. Can Havertz do that? I'm not sure he can, and that leaves a lot open to interpretation. Um, but Havertz is also a big guy. He's bigger than Xhaka. He's bigger than, he's bigger than all of them, you know. I saw a thing yesterday. Uh, I don't know if Paul's you saw that video on the TL. What's that? Uh, what's wrong with you, man? Right away, brother. Pause, 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 pause. Yeah, he's 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 bigger than all of them. Pause. Um, so yeah, so yeah, he's. Hold on, oh, no, why did you bring it back? You should have rephrased that, brother. What's going on? Oh my god, he's I, taller. He's taller. Habits, is taller than them. What's wrong with you, you guys? It's it's not even good time of the morning. Um, but yeah, habits habits is taller than than all of them. So. I don't know. And I saw a stat as well. I think of the 32 goals Havertz scored for Chelsea, 10 of them were headers as well. So, um, so I don't know, man. I, I just think it's, it's, for me, I get the concerns, but I think it's important just to be open-minded. And I know people say, oh, um, you know, is, is Rice, but Rice isn't better than Party, And I would agree on the ball. He's not. I think Party's a better footballer than Declan Rice. However, um, I think ever since we moved to this sort of new setup where we have two high eights and we have the fullbacks inverted. We've obviously taken away the ball progression part, leaving, you know, leaving the six as the single point of failure. And I said this last season when people were disagreeing with me, I said Zinchenko was the main controller in the team anyway, especially when he inverted. He was the one who had more touches than party, he completed more touches than party. So um, I don't think it's as critical as it was that the six needs to progress play. Um, so I think, you know, and Rice is much better defensively. Uh, and athletically than party. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that trade-off happens and, um, and what that looks like. But I totally take the concerns that Havertz, Erdegaard and Rice on paper doesn't sound better than Xhaka, party and Erdegaard. Um, but, you know, you never know. We might change our opinion once we see it on the pitch. So that's that's why I always said I'll, I'll wait till... I think pre-season will be key again. You know how we saw last season. I, In my opinion, I could already tell from pre-season that we are taking a step forward last season. 
Um, I think preseason will be key again this term. So so let, let's let's see how it plays out. But I hear the concern still. And with Party, um, I just think lack of availability over the course of his three seasons at the club so far. I think the club that's massively pissed them off. You know, you know they bought a. I think when we Party's thirty now, yeah. So he bought him when he was at like twenty seven. In their minds, they bought a ready-made player that was ready to go. But you know, sometimes there've been inconsistencies in performance. Sometimes he's not always been available. And I think that when you're one of the top owners at the club and you're not one of the most consistent performers at the club, that then can raise questions as well, coupled with the wages and coupled with the off-the-field issues. So I think it's a, it's a few different factors at play here. But I would be sad to see him go because I, I rate Party highly as a player, but set out of our hands in it. Jermaine, what about you? How, how do you feel about this? You know, do, do you deem it as a risk from Arteta or do you just see this as like a decision that needed... And, and, and where I kind of sit as well, sorry, just to give a little bit of my thoughts, is just where I, I do feel like this was inevitably going to have to happen. You know, one way or another, we were going to have to move on from Thomas Partey, whether that be because of the off-field issues or because of this guy's lack of availability. And, and, and you know, he managed to play a lot of games last season, but again, crunch time came and we were having to go and play Man City without him. You know, we were having to play crunch games at the back end of the, uh, of the season without him. We had to bring in Jorginho to, to, to you know, to allow us to um, to replace him, you know, adequately. Um, so I, I do hear that perspective. I just think it's coming a bit too soon for me. And, you know, obviously with the fact that we're obviously getting rid of Xhaka as well, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit daunting. Um, losing those two in the middle, Dan. How do you how do you um, assess the situation? Um, I think um, it's definitely a risk breaking up the axis of Xhaka and Partey, given how they have performed um, when they've been together over the last couple of years. So there's one hundred percent risk attached. I can't really put a number on it um, because I think all all of that will depend on how well we be able to recreate or uh, you know repurpose what we're doing with the midfield. And um, with Partey, you know, a fantastic player. Um, I was a big fan of him before we signed him. Um, it was one of those signings where I was like watching Atletico Madrid games um, and thinking we need to sign this guy and we were never linked. And then all of a sudden links started appearing. It's like, I've, I've, you know, I spoke the signing into existence. That's how I kind of felt for me. And, um, you know, the first two seasons, I think availability 100 um, percent, you know, an issue for me. Um, I think consistency was also an issue because I never doubted his quality. I think he was world-class at Atletico Madrid, let alone, you know, coming to Arsenal. So with him, it's just, you know, are you going to get on the pitch and do it, you know, X amount of times in a row? Um, And are you going to, you know, stay fit? Um, And he didn't do that in the first two seasons, but in the third season, he really really started showing out. Um, And he, he really, I think he cemented, and I think he could have cemented as himself, you know, in, in in the history books, to be honest, if he if he'd have been fit towards the end of the season. Um, but I think, you know, that there, there are concerns about the availability, the off the field issues. And I think Ateta has probably, and if you look at if you look at it now, he probably has been easing him out um already. Like if you look at the certain things that have happened over this time, like you know, the the introduction of Zinchenko, Zinchenko taking more responsibility. Um, you know, with forward passes than Partey in this team. I think Partey a lot of times was, you know, obviously he's very press but a lot of times he was used to, you know, pl- players coming to press him. He evade that press, giving it to Zinchenko to then, 
you know, find the guys in the final third kind of thing. So, you know, he before that it was partly doing a, you know the, the the press resistance and doing the progression to a high degree. And I think he still did that, you know, this season. But you know, some responsibility has definitely been taken off him with this season. And I think it probably actually helped his performances. And whilst at the time you're thinking, ah, oh, this is just you know Ateta helping party or you know making the team better overall, but you now you're looking at it and you're saying. Hold on, and in, in, in January, then we look for we looked at Casado, and we didn't get Casado, so we bought Jorginho. Then Jorginho started playing games towards the end of the season. I think he was he's been building up for part of his exit. Um, when I look at it like that, and we've we've been we've been work. The reason why we're ahead in the rise still ahead of Bayern Munich, ahead of United, is because we've been you know basically grooming rise for for months before. Um, we, we, yeah, pause. Um, <laughs> we've been grooming him for months. Pause. Um. Before we um before we made you know official bid, so I feel like that the succession planning has been in place, um and you know we're just we're just getting to the end of the line now, and yes um I think you you are right in in terms of saying that Atata is making a big decision and if it goes wrong um fans will criticize it, but you know Atata is familiar with this now he doesn't give a shit because when he flogged Uzil and a lot of fans celebrated it you know um he did it and he didn't care. When he flogged Aubameyang and a lot of fans celebrated or hated it, he didn't care. Um, then even Lacazette, people wanted Lacazette to get extended. Flogged him. Yeah. <laughs> Those Honestly, people need to be locked away, man. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? He doesn't care for that sentiment. He has he has a vision, he has an idea, yeah. and he's going to go and go and do it. Um, he is so, very cutthroat, isn't he? I think that's a it's an interesting quality to have because we've been obviously used to... We had 20 years of Wenger where Wenger was not cutthroat at all. He was very, yeah, all right, lads, it's all right. You, you know, you you stay. Oh, you've been injured for six months? No worries. We'll give you a contract extension. It's fine. Don't you worry about it. We'll look after you kind of thing. We aren't used to, we're used to players being taken from us. We're not used to us actually saying, do you know what? We don't want you anymore. See you later. And I think I'm dealing, I'm, I'm finding it quite hard to deal with that. I've, I don't know what that, I've I, I, never experienced this as an Arsenal fan of, yeah. of of us getting rid of a player that I like, but on our own kind of on our own That's terms. Yeah, um, I, I don't I'm not used to that as an Arsenal fan. I don't really know how to process it. And the reality is that not a lot of players are safe. Not a lot of players are safe. You know, I'm not going to, you know, the obvious ones like the Tierneys and stuff. I'm not going to say them, but there's other players I don't think they're safe. They could get sold at some point. Like you know, I, 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 even though he's a good player, I could see you know I tell at some point saying you know Ben White, we we'll take good money for you. Nah. I, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think there's only like five or six players that that are safe. You know, Martinelli, Saka, Udegaard, Saliba, Gabriel. Um, I think those are the ones that view as safe. The others, I feel like I tell, even Gabi Jesus, I could see next summer. Rumors. I, I I'm I'm dead serious. Because I think this guy I doesn't could see Gabby Jesus. I could see Gabby Jesus, but um, yeah, uh, he doesn't care. There's 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 a base of players that he rates really highly and he builds the team around. The rest for him are interchangeable pieces. I think. Interesting, interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's move on to. Um, I've got loads and loads of listeners' questions. So if there's anything we've kind of missed or skirted around, maybe we can fill in the gaps with. Um, those listeners questions so uh i sent the message out at bloody eight o'clock in the morning and it's bloody 
got like a hundred bloody messages. So um, <laughs> I will try and get through them, through them all. Um, <clears throat> okay. So Sosh GN, we'll start with habits. Um, we spoke a lot about habits last week and, mm. um, you know, I think at the time the news was very fresh, hadn't had too much time to process it. And it was just a bit out of the blue wasn't making sense still doesn't quite make sense to me um i hear it now kind of sort of i always try and see the vision like i always try and give arteta uh, i always try and extend him as much courtesy as possible because he's done very well with his team and i think he deserves the grace in time and you know for me just to hear him out and to reserve judgment so I'm not going to judge anything until I see these guys on the pitch. That's that's what I decided last year after I got it horribly wrong the year before. I've just decided that I'm going to give this guy his grace. I'm going to reserve judgment. But I will give my opinion and I will say I don't like this habit signing. Um, but I'm open to being wrong and I've been wrong about a lot of things. So maybe that says everything that you need to know about this habit sign and, and which direction it's going to go. But um, Sosh GN... Um, he asks, uh, what aspects of Havertz game do you like and what does Arteta need to improve? Uh, German, maybe I'll come to you first and foremost, who knows, you know, maybe a little bit more about the player. Um, what, what do you think about, um, you know, potential things that Havertz could improve and, and what parts of his game do you like the most? Um, okay. I think, first of all, I would say I, I do see the vision with the signing, um, and, I think the outlay is still too much for me, but I must be super convinced of um, being able to turn it around um, and use her habits in a, in a very effective way. Um, I think when people name other, you know, uh, and this morning said Madison, why are we not going for him? It's about skill sets and what 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 is the player's natural inclination on the football pitch um, and leaning into that. And, you know, in that role, and she and touching already, you know, there's a lot of runs into the box. Um, being effective in the box, finding um, your teammates in transition. I think um, in transition, finding your teammates, medicine is better. Howard is decent at it, but you know, making runs, um, getting into goal scoring positions, um, and also being a threat in the box. Um, he definitely is um, ahead of medicine in those um, characteristic and aspects. And the data shows that because they just play in different, um, you know, different positions, different zones on the pitch. And I think Arteta's not trying to take someone like Madison, who's undoubtedly very talented, and just completely change his game um, because that's not his natural inclination. I think he tries to lean into players' natural inclination and you know, accentuate it. So um, that's one the reason why I think we're going with him over some of the other um, attacking midfielders. Um, and then I think there's there's I think there's definitely many things Harbour can still um, improve. One hundred percent, his finishing is poor for me right now. Um, really poor finishing. I think sometimes um, he takes the shot too early. Sometimes he takes it too late. Um, not enough power behind it. Not enough guide behind it. Sometimes um, that's basically finishing with his feet. Um, but I think he um, can strike off both foot, which is really odd. And he can strike it well as well. So there has he has to start, you know, getting consistency in his finishing. I think that's a big weakness of his actually. Um, his heading is good. Um, I would say. Um, I think also, like, I think people say intensity with him, which I definitely see. I think he's very, um, 
he seems very chill. It seems like he's not really doing much on the pitch. Um, but he surprisingly he gets into quite a lot of duels and he's actually quite good at you know winning the ball up high, um, and um, you know, um, yeah, basically contesting for balls in the air uh, on the ground. But I, I do think there's intensity probably needs to up, um, just for people to visibly see that he's putting in the shift because I, I do think in games he's putting in the shift, but people are like he's not running, and it's like it's a bit like when people set this reversal, he he tries to be smarter. Than, than people that just run kind of thing. But there has to be a base level of effect. And sometimes I think it hasn't been there. And then I think his strengths, I've already mentioned, I think his movement is good. I think his technical qualities are good in terms of touch, um, turn, and also um, pass. Um, I think there could be better consistency in this, in this end or final ball. Um, so I think the big, um, the big things that he needs to improve are finishing and consistency in his final ball for me and intensity. But I like the movement. I like um, the potential that he has, and I think he is a good player that can um, do well with, a, with within this framework that we have because it leans into his strengths. Sean has um, pause. Has Havertz grown on you since last week? <laughs> God damn! Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, 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 like I said, I wasn't angry about it at all. I, like, like you, I said after the Ramsdale thing, I said I'm never going to shout again about a transfer. I'm just going to wait and see, and then I'll evaluate based on on what I see. Uh, I can see the vision. I'm worried about the execution. Is is my main thing. So, I can see what that looks like on the pitch, but I need to see in totality what that does. Does that overload the pressure on the back five? You know. I'm even slightly concerned about, I'm not even concerned. I don't even know if we can have Zinchenko and Havertz in the same side. I'm looking at that as well. With Arteta plans to use Havertz and Erdegaard as the eight, I think you might then need to put like a, a Tommy or a, um, a Kivior in. Or if you're saying that you want to start Timber and invert from that side, you might shift Gabriel across one because he defends that whole channel anyway. So I just think there needs to be different iterations because... Um, we already know Zinni's not the strongest um, defense defensively. And having Zinchenko in the back five when you're already choosing to go with two lighter eights might might cause um, some systemic issues. So, yeah, um, I see the vision. I just need to see it on the pitch and, you know, uh, see how it works um, before I, I speak. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Other man in the chat are fuming, but I'm not mad. So Yeah, I, I just don't have the energy to be to be mad I, I'm, yeah. I've been wrong too many times and just <laughs> like, you know what I mean just guys I'll be tired of being wrong just <laughs> say your opinion and let's just see how it pans out in it um, OT button tweets just leading on to from, from your last point Sean he, um, he actually asked uh, can anyone figure out a way to get Erdegaard and Havertz in the same midfield I think it gets even harder when you add Zinchenko to the 11 2 I personally think this has to be the year Arteta rotates a lot more and we don't see a set start in 11. So, so, so yeah. yeah, so, 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 so I, I think it's literally just what I said in terms of I'm not, if you're going to go with Havertz and Erdegaard ahead of Rice, I think you need to put someone more of a natural defender, you know, um, similar to how City just started paying four centre backs. I think that's kind of how we would have to facilitate it personally. And obviously, yeah, naturally, we're going to need to rotate. We're in four competitions. So there can't be a set 11, to your point, in terms of consistency this season, because if you just play the same 11, they're going to die. And then 
the replacements when you call them in they're going to be cold and they're not going to perform to the level so so yeah um to the point yeah i think if you're starting so for example if you want to start zinchenko then i think you need to have two more defensive minded mm -hmm. guys in midfield but if you want to play with two more you know attack minded guys in midfield then you need to have uh, more of a solid base defensively so that that's what i would do it'd be tommy or kibbe or or you shift gabriel across and bring in ben white so yeah okay um german do, do you feel the same do you, do you think do you see there any way of ha having Havertz and erdegaard playing playing in that in the same midfield yeah i think offensively when we talked about offensively it looks like the shape would work but i think defensively i have concerns um, he just doesn't have the same midfielding um, qualities that Xhaka has off the ball. So um, I wonder how Teta's going to make that work. I, I think Trent has made some good points, but just a bit sceptical. That's why, that's why I kind of felt like maybe we're signing him to, to you know, play at, at nine at times. Um, I've kind of thought maybe that's the plan for him. Um, but then it's difficult to, to say because you, know, you don't know if Teta's going to change the way we're playing. So it could be that, you know, we're playing off the ball and on the ball with, with two up front, like similar to you know, KDB and, and Harlan are basically up top for City. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's just very difficult to say. I, I have to see it in pre-season to kind of get a better idea if they're going, going actually to, to go with the double eight and six um, advice, um, advice at six, but just, I find it difficult to see. Um, I think only in certain games this would work just because of defensively. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's try back through the rest of these questions then. Um, Wizard Shy, he asked, uh, any chance for a change of systems and dynamics? I mean, I, I, I've thought a little bit about potentially moving to a three at the back, um, especially with Declan Rice coming in um, and Timber as well. I wonder, is that a possibility? I think essentially it already is like what yeah. we do. That, that, that's why I never look at it as a as a stick on thing anyway, because if if you if you really want to get granular, Zinchenko is never there anyway. So it is theoretically already a free at the back. It's like a three two five or two three five, just dependent on. And and I think there was an interesting interview with Zinchenko where you were speaking about you know his role and 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 what that means for the defense. And so I already think it's it's, it's a back three um, or a back two just you know dependent on how how we're building up so um it just depending on who we're playing their setup where we want to if we want to attack in a specific way um so yeah it's for me less about the starting formation and more about where these guys are actually are on the pitch do you know what i mean so i could definitely see some sort of like two three two three two I mean, I mean, the easiest, the easiest way, Lewis, to look at it, right, is that we attack with five players and we defend with five players, right? So, look, the attacking five players last season, it was what? It was Martinelli, it was Xhaka, Jesus, Erdegaard, Saka. And then the other five were defensive players. So it's just about where we station those those defensive five and, and how we build with that defensive five. So yeah. it's, it's, it's hella... It's, Sounds a lot more techy than it should be, but just breaking it down granularly, it's, there's five attackers and five defenders. Yeah. Um, Shaggy, Shaggy P8, he asked, uh, as it seems likely TP going Saudi, uh, as it seems likely TP5 going Saudi, who should be the replacement for him? Phil, Phil's Rice may play six and Havertz left eight. 
So it would be a backup six role for this season at least. Also thoughts on the outlay for Yuri and Timber, considering I settled back for on priorities elsewhere. So we kind of already touched on the the Timber point. Um, but yeah, in terms of like a backup, in terms of like a replacement for party, it does seem like it is Lavia. Although I haven't heard any kind of updates on that over the last few days. I don't know. Has that gone a bit well, quiet? I mean, there's, 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 for me, there's he'd be the perfect, for me, he'd be like the perfect guy to replace Thomas Partey. I think he has a lot of transferable skills that, you know, um, if you want to replace that style of player, mm-hmm. uh, he, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna find much much better than that and also he's young as well he can mm-hmm. learn off the Jorginho for a season I think Jorginho is gonna play a lot this season I really do yeah, yeah. I think Jorginho is gonna play a lot so he will. He will. people he need will. to get used to that like I said yeah I, I think Lavia is the closest player stylistically to party um so I and I, I do I do like him a lot and he's already shown in one pre- season, you know, imagine the guy just stepped out from academy football straight into a first-team environment, and I thought he was fantastic. I love his aggressive intensity off the ball, very quick in duels, um, can carry the ball, um, probably needs maybe a tad more work on distribution, but he's 19, do you know what I mean? So he only turned 19 this season. So, no, I think he's a great, great talent. Um, I So I'm, I'm a bit sceptical. Uh, so I would bring him in, 100%, I, I think. It, it does it does seem odd though having maybe three defensive midfielders on the books just because also I think Lavia for example is a stick on six he can't play as an eight um and but in games where maybe we want to be a bit more defensive maybe in bigger games I think like a Lavia six rice eight and Erdegaard eight would be nice um that probably mirrors more what we've been doing this season right um so I, I would I would be open for that but I, I'm slightly wary one because He's a kid that's played 33 games a season. If Rice is coming as a stick on six and then there's Jorginho there, you know, how much game time is Lavia going to get? Obviously, we've got four competitions, but, you know, someone his age needs to play consistently to develop. You know, we've had a lot of young players, even though I wasn't a big fan of Lokonga. It's hard to it's hard to develop as a young player when you're not playing consistently, right? So that's maybe where I would have a bit of concern. And also, I think Fabrizio has said we're in talks with Southampton, but then Ornstein came out the other day and said, whilst there's been links, there's there's nothing happening. You know, there's been no contact. So I don't know. I think that's one that's that's a bit open at the moment. But I like the player, and I would definitely have him. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think Jeremy Dunn's gone for a second. Um, <clears throat> uh, Asa from Touchlines and Touchdowns, uh, he asks, is there any chance Turner gets a chance at the number one keeper job? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's what that, that's that. I don't want him anywhere near it, personally. Um, okay. Uh, Guna John 777 he says, why do Gunas think they know better than the management sit back and enjoy the ride? Uh, I, I, I really don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. I think as fans, <laughs> we're allowed to, you know, this is, imagine just to say, like, you're not allowed to have any opinion, like, you're just going to blindly accept what the manager does. That's how people let Emery get away with that bullshit 22 game unbeaten run where we could all see, you know, what we were seeing wasn't great, do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I think naturally Arteta knows more than we do, but that doesn't mean we can't have an opinion. We can't be objective. We can't discuss, you know, imagine saying we can't discuss them. What would be the point of us having this pod loose in it? You know what I mean? So um, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to discuss, we're going to agree. We're going to disagree. That's the whole point of football debate essentially. So um, yeah. I mean, Gunnar Johnny does kind of contradict himself because then he does just ask, 
our opinions on he <laughs> 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 says do you think Tierney will stay do we think he can adapt to the Zinchenko role uh, personally I thought he showed signs towards the end of the season that he can well thanks for giving your thought Guna John um, <laughs> we, we, if you don't mind we'll give our opinion as well on on, on that um, I, I, I don't know is the is the answer? I think I think it seemed like he was out of the door, but that's kind of called in recent weeks. I think Newcastle have what pulled out of the running on, on Tierney. So if Newcastle aren't going to sign him, I'm not sure who else is going to stump up the kind of cash we would want for him. Um, mm. I really disagreed with how Arteta used and. Um, you know, not. I don't want to say treated. He's a professional footballer. He gets treated very well, I'm sure. But um, just his 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 usage of Tierney last year, I really disagreed with it. I thought it was one of um, Arteta's mistakes in the run-in last year, uh, not switching it up enough, not using Kieran Tierney enough. Um, so if he wasn't going to use him then, I don't see why that would change this season. I think he's kind of got his mind set on this player. Um, and this player doesn't bring to the table the, the qualities that he wants him to bring. So if he didn't use him last year, then why would he use him this year? So I, I personally, I think he's... If he doesn't go, then I, he's going to have a very bit part role to play. And I think I think you're probably right. It's probably going to be... If Tommy Asu's fit or, you know, uh, we, saw, we saw him playing Kivior at left back, I think maybe those guys will play games over Kieran Tierney this season uh, I just I just think you know uh, and this is not even a slight against Katie I think he's a fantastic player but mm. the flexibility that Arteta requires from his defenders and to perform maybe more than one role at a time it's just not Katie so mm. um, and it's unfortunate but I think we've just outgrown and we've just evolved away from him and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing which is why I think Katie needs to go this summer because there'd be no point Katie staying not playing and then his value dwindles further do you know what i mean so because his value is not going to go up if he doesn't play do you know what i mean so um yeah i think it for the best it, it'd be good if he goes this summer obviously we need to wait to see because newcastle they're bidding 70 mil for tonali and we don't know how much they're going to be spending left so apparently they're close to ffp you know breaches but yeah so so i don't know i don't know but um it's a shame but yeah i i, I just i think it's over for katie put it that way Mm. Uh, season just continues on the KT stuff. He says, why do people want Kirantini gone? If we touch um, Champions League KO rounds, we would need someone that can actually defend and has PMP. I don't disagree with, I don't disagree with it as well because I, I, just looking from like a pure football observer and someone I, I quite enjoy, I quite like the way Kirantini plays football. I, I like his skill set. I I always feel like there's room for a, for a player like him in the squad. Um, but unfortunately, I'm, you know, well, not unfortunately, because you guys wouldn't want me as the Arsenal manager because it would be terrible. But, you know, <laughs> it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work out that way. And, you know, the manager doesn't fancy him. So, you know, um, but yeah, I, I completely see that that angle. I, w- I would definitely keep around. I think there's there's always room to have. We're talking about flexibility and the ability to do different things and defend certain situations. Kieran Tini is staring in your face as, as an option, to be honest. But um, Con Clouseau, he asks, uh, how risky is selling Xhaka and Partey in one window? 
obviously depends on who we get to replace them, but can you think of any examples of two first-team midfielders going and the team prospering instantly from the replacements? Mm. I brought up this point, you know, earlier in the pod, and I couldn't think of any examples. It just doesn't... I think just because there isn't examples doesn't mean it can't have... It can't work. I think it just doesn't happen. Mm. It, it doesn't happen. There aren't any that come to mind where, you know, especially a successful team, because a successful team wouldn't really rip out their midfield and start again, unless they were, you know, 38. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think maybe, maybe did Man United do it when, you know, Paul Scholes was kind of retiring or I don't know, maybe um, something like that happened, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like, and, and especially, if I'm if my what I'm projecting is right in terms of Rice being used as a six, he's never played in a positional play system. <laughs> he's played under a haphazard Moyes team, so he's going to have to learn the role, right? Um, Havertz hasn't played as an eight since Leverkusen, so you know there there, there is going to be a period of adapt adaptability. So um, I don't know. Yeah. So on the surface, just if you're just asking my opinion off the bat, yeah, I think there's going to it might mean. You know, we we start a bit slower this season, but then again, maybe that's what preseason's for, right? To to try and hammer these things out, to try and work on these intricacies within preseason. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know, but I think one thing is that Arteta has changed it every season since he's been here. So you know, we maybe shouldn't be that surprised that he's changing it again. I think obviously, what we are shocked by is that Xhaka and Party have been the only constants since he's been here. Um, but again, Lewis, if we look at it. That was always there's always there was this was always going to happen anyway. It was always going to happen at some point. Um, I guess the argument you could make is that did it did they both need to happen at the same time? Could we have kept one to be a squad player just to ease the transition over rather than just you know ripping out the heart of the team essentially? So I get it. I, I get a concern. Yeah. So I guess his argument would be well we've brought in Jorginho for the last six months of the for well it's been more than six months now. So he's probably comfortable in what Jorginho wants from him. He's still got Erdegaard there. So in, in his eyes, he'd be saying, I'm not ripping out the whole midfield. Jorginho mm. was starting the back end of, of, of games last season. Erdegaard obviously starts every game. I'm bringing in Declan Rice. Um, may, maybe that's the way he would justify it. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, uh, I don't agree, but we, we will see. We will see. Time will tell, man. Time will tell. Salty Gunnar. He asked, a City have ridiculous depth? But, I mean, this is, you know, this is an interesting point. Uh, City have ridiculous depth, but do you think losing Gundogan and possibly Bernardo weakens them? Would we or anyone else stand a chance? So we were just talking, we're literally just talking about losing, you know. And, and yeah, it is a bit different with City because... They have the, the ability to rotate a lot more and they're less dependent on those players. But listen, without Gundogan last season, do Man City win the title? Well, I don't Pep think fans. so, but we'll see. <laughs> Pep, Pep finds solutions, right? He does. But Pep, he, Gundogan he was very, solutions. very crucial to them last season. Has been for them. You know, but, very, but, very but, crucial. but also, this is, you know, when we were talking about change is always going to happen. Gundogan, KDB, Bernard, they've almost been there since Pep first got there, right? Mm. So we're talking about a good five, six, seven seasons of these guys at City. So it's natural evolution again. Now, does that mean there might be a, 
you know, a transition period with them, hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully. But mm. also one thing you need to remember, remember as well, City don't spend recklessly. So what I've seen as well is that they're not even, they apparently they were saying they could spend easily, City could easily spend another three, 350 mil this summer because City don't spend mad like that, to be fair. And when they spend, they tend to get it right. So, yeah, um, you know, the Kovacic is done for 30 mil. Um, but, you know... Good signing. Another... Are you guys, do, 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 do you, are you guys fearful of that signing when you look at it's... your competitors spending? Are you, do you look at that signing and think, oh, yeah, moves the Co- needle? Kovacic is an interesting one because in my in my mind, he's not really a typical pet midfielder. He's more of a ball carrier rather than a passer. But, but, maybe, but maybe losing Bernardo as well, maybe it's, it's a quality pet values, man. So... But I'm sure with with Bernardo going as well, as well as Gundo, they're going to sign another midfielder. So so we'll see. Hopefully not Declan Rice. So. <laughs> Can I say that? Um, Guna LSC asked, do you think we're quite slow at transfers or do you think we actually do things right by taking our time, getting very low, knowing it'll be rejected, not rushing into, into things? Basically, what do you like about how we conduct transfers and what we don't like? I think I, I always find these questions quite interesting considering I'm just looking at my calendar now and it says we're on the 26th, 22nd of June. I, I, um, I would say if, if you're basing it on this summer, that is very, very harsh. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we have, in, in basically, this is the first four week of the transfer window, right? We have literally just signed all our key players up to new contracts. In mm. the, we have placed two bids for Declan Rice. We placed two bids for Havertz, the second one accepted. We placed the bid for Timber and we have serious interest in Lavia. If that's moving slow... Yeah. Fair enough, man. Fair enough, bro. It's... That's not slow to me. That's very fast. That's more than any other team is, is doing right now. So absolutely. And I think I think what happens is we get sucked into this transfer news cycle where it's like everybody, nobody, no, no club in the world, right, has ever signed a player. I'm I'm pretty confident in saying this. Not any player that's desired anyway. No club has ever gone in a player in for a player where the club wants 60 million and straight away they bid 60 million. It just doesn't happen. Why would that happen? You always negotiate. And I think we we just live in an era where every single bid is reported. Everything is speculated on. You're getting transfer updates literally by the hour. So it's like we're seeing every step of the of the journey. And I think that makes things look like they're they're drawn out and you know, that they're taking long to conclude. When in reality, they're probably not. When you look at yesteryear and when we didn't have this amount of information, you know, and, and maybe you'd get an update every week or so, I think it pro- the same things were happening. Teams, teams negotiate, man. That, that's, that's, that's what happens in, in, in transfers. It's, that's par for the course. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with how we're getting the business done straight away this season you know i think if you if you end up going into pre-season and you've signed Havertz, rice and and maybe um who's the other one timber you can't argue with that you can sign three players and have them in for pre-season when does that ever happen i can't think of many examples of that happening um <clears throat> Khalil HT3, just going to rush through these last couple. Khalil HT3 says, are we trusting that Nelson will get significant minutes at right wing next season? Or will, he, or will next season consist of more Saka slave shifts? Wow, very, very harshly put. Fucking hell. Jesus. Damn, man. Yeah. So I say, really, Phil? Hey, chill, Lou. 
Das ist auch erstmal wieder Postzeit, by the way. Sucker Slave Ships. Sucker Slave Ships, you know? Ja, das war ein Steve, man. Ich kann nicht leiden, man. Ich weiß nicht, ob Nelson will get significant minutes. But I do think Saka will get rotated more. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we, if we're signing Havertz, there's another forward option. He could play at nine, as I said. Um, Jesus could play at right wing. Um, so, and Nelson has been promised to, to get um, a, 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 you know, a key role or become a key member of the first team. So, I, I, I will think that he will play in some games. I don't really think he's going to start in Premier League games, if I'm really honest. Um, I think it'll be Saka and then maybe Jesus um, in Premier League games. But in other competitions, I can see it. Um, I can see him starting. Even Champions League, I could see him starting. If we have an, a group where there is, um, you know, some so-called weaker teams, I could see him starting in some of these games. But I think in the Premier League, you know, Arteta's probably going to play the best available 11 most, most weeks. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Oko James, he asks... Uh, Out of 10, how much do you trust Arteta? And then the exec team, Tim Lewis, Edu Garlic. Like, do you guys... I don't trust myself. How the hell can I trust Arteta? <laughs> I, I don't trust myself. If I go into Selfridges, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. <laughs> how can I trust Arteta, man? <laughs> you, got, you got exercise restraint, German. Like, you know, all these, all these Havertz shirts that you're buying, like, you need to just relax. Relax, big man, yeah. I do trust Azhar's process and how um how he's very focused on you know getting to the next level, and I think he's very, as we said, cutthroat and also very determined to to not only make it a success but also you know improve um the football team every season. Every he says every he said when he says his um press conference he says it's not frost it's not about every game it's every training session. Every training session, we need to get better. So I think he's really that meticulous, and I, and I'm I'm meticulous myself. So I, I know that you know there's a lot of full process, a lot of energy that goes into being being that way. And he's way more meticulous than I am, probably. So um, I, I think that I can put trust into that that he will he will you know essentially give it his all and um, find ways of the, making the team better. And I've already like like was been seen for the last. 18 months to be honest 18 20 months probably so you know i, I do think he, he has bought himself some trust i think some people always um obviously um i big concern with the Havertz signing the financial outlay they don't rate the player so i think this is one of the ones that has to again um win the trust of some fans by you know making the signing a success but it's, it's like he, he makes these challenges for himself he could have probably gone With it, with it, with a target that's easier for for fans to kind of digest. Pause. Um, but like he went James with the, or yeah, like or, yeah, he went with a more controversial one. He went with the one that he fully believes fits into the framework. Um, and he done this before Ramsdale, Ben White, um, even Zinchenko. Is it like I, I say? Because people f seem to forget. I don't, but people seem to forget. Zinchenko <laughs> got ripped. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. You know, I was there, bro. They were saying 30 mil was too much money. I said, all right. I said, all right. Yeah, on, in hindsight, that is a crazy assessment, by the way. <laughs> Fucking 30 million. That, that's the hill you're going to die on. 30 mil. You're having a laugh. 
Really, you are. He's, he was getting absolutely ripped. He, he was. was. I, I didn't. I didn't understand it at the time. Like Anton was telling me that how Fabian Delph is better than him and stuff like. That. I was like, bro, yeah, come, come on, man. Ola was Ola was talking about eight Nori, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. Come on, man. Come on, come on. Let's let's have some respect. Yeah, anyway, so um, yeah. like Mike one nine six, he says, given that both Jack and Party are leaving, it is it wise to be spending hundred million on Rice when it makes sense to spend that on? better value midfielders if so who would be your alternative targets i get that that question we could go on for ages and we just do not have the time i guess to, to really <laughs> touch on that um maybe we do a patron piece on 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 that kind of thing um mm. you know alternative midfield targets but you know 100 mil on rice is a lot I, i'm yeah i don't think anyone is going to argue that 100 million for rice is a lot but in today's market it just is what it is, man. It really is. Um, Sam E underscore 91, he says, assuming we secure the signings of Rice, Lavia, Havertz and Timber, would that be it for the window? And can you rate it out of 10? Shall we say last question this one, yeah? Yeah. Um, okay. I don't, one, I don't think that will be it because I think there will be outgoings and then those outgoings could affect us doing more business um and if the if that one would be it i would rate it like i, I would probably rate it like an eight because i think rice is a massive signing um in terms of not just you know the player coming to the club um and uh, improving the team but also in terms of you know reputation you know i think i don't remember the last time we went big for a british player that is was in demand and has been courted by other big teams. Um, so as a statement signing, that one is pretty big, I think. And then um, I think Timber is a, is a is a very nice addition. So I, I would I would really like that. Um, and he said what Rice like he said Lavia as well, didn't he? So yeah. and Lavia. So for me, Lavia, I see it. I see, and I've been saying it a couple of times now. I see a young Kamavinga when when Kamavinga was when I thought I thought this is what Lavia looks like. Um, like someone that's actually ready, but they haven't played that many minutes. Um, and I, I and, and and I know a lot of people say we'd rather have Casado; he's more ready. And, my, and I'm thinking, are you sure? Because you know, Casado has only played 15 more Premier League games than Lavia. Casado is, is a youth as well. Um, you know, so who's more ready? You could say Casado is probably slightly ahead in his development, just in terms of senior appearances, but. And, and, uh... Sorry, sorry, just interjecting. Yeah. Also, people's perceptions are heavily skewed by the fact that Brighton are a much better team than Southampton as well. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. people immediately look and be like, oh, Brighton got Europa. They're a sick team. Caicedo sick. You know how people automatically assume just because you play for a good team that you're good. And don't get me wrong, Caicedo is wavy, by the way. I love him. But um, but yeah, I, I, I do. I think Lavia coming out of academy football to do what he did this year at the age of 18, just turned 19. For me, he, he looks like a special talent. Um, yeah. I, I'll rate that one really highly. Um, and then Havertz, I think, is, is, a, is a good addition uh, in terms of flexibility, versatility, whatever you want to say. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, I would probably rate it eight, mm. which is a solid window. Yeah, just on, just quickly, this Lavia signing, it reminds me a bit of when we signed Lasana Diara for some reason. Why? Why do you say that? Don't know. A young just, black man is is, is that yeah, all? That, that must be it. That must be it. Yeah, just. 
Diara, I love ya. Sounds a bit same, you know what I mean? Yeah. No. no, I think I think because Brexit you know, the player, <laughs> because, <laughs> because the player obviously came from um where did we sign last from? Chelsea, right? We signed him from Chelsea. Yeah, Lafia basically has come from Man City, Man City to Southampton yeah. and um very highly rated at at that Man club City. as well. Chelsea tried to sign him back. I, I, I see kind of similarities in the way they play as well. Um, I always was a huge fan of Lasana Diara, and I never understood why Wenger. That seemed like Wenger really wanted him at the time as well, and he just didn't didn't really um, just chose not to play him. It's really a really strange signing. I hope it doesn't work out the same way. But um, I, I just think that Lasana Diara, um, you know, the clubs that he's played for. Out of all the clubs that he's played for, he played for Le Havre, Chelsea, Arsenal, Portsmouth, Madrid, Anzi, Locomotive, Marseille, PSG. He's made the most appearances for Real Madrid. <laughs> that's crazy. That is, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very bizarre career, Lissana Diarra. Bizarre. Like, yes, yeah, crazy. That's crazy, man. Able to just go up from, from down here, up to there, back down to there, back up. Crazy, <laughs> like ridiculous. Anyway, um, we will leave it there. Everyone, thank you for your questions. Sean and Dan, I know you've got work to attend, so thank you for joining me this morning. Um, hopefully more news this week. We'll try and get a Patreon piece out to you this week, actually, as well. We need to... Hey, the ups, the ups, are, the ups are releasing content, so we need, to, we need to keep up. Not not the ups, really. I mean, we like them, guys, but, you know, friend, friendly ups, friendly ups. Um, yeah, so we need to keep up with the content. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week. Anyway, take it easy. That's nice. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Go! Could it went left, but it went right, because it went wrong, but it went right, said it was Ian, but it went right, 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 but it went Podcast Network.